listening to episode 53 of the Book Morning Podcast. And today, I'm reviewing Thomas Stanley's and William Danko's bestseller, The Millionaire Next Door, The Surprising Secrets of America's Wealthy. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Chris Cardona, and welcome to the Book Morning Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks a lot for coming. One of my favorite quotes in life by Warren Buffett is the best investment you can make is an investment in yourself. The more you learn, the more you'll earn. And that is exactly the goal I have for this podcast, to continue expanding my life, learning from the best mentors and examples of success in the world, both living and not, through their stories and books to achieve the successful life we ourselves and our families deserve. The Book Morning Podcast is produced daily for your enjoyment, where I bring you my takeaways, gold nuggets, and summaries from some of the best books I read and study every day. Show notes can be found at www.bookmorning.com. Are you all ready? Well, let's get the show started. When we think of millionaires, we typically think of those we see on TV or insta-famous people driving nice cars, Hollywood hill mansions, flashing wads of cash, and blowing their money on parties. Last week's book, we talked about billionaires. I know that most of us will not be able to achieve that, so I wanted to do a book about millionaires and how that can be realistically achieved. What we may not realize is that many of today's millionaires are living below their means, saving, budgeting their income, and spending wisely. The main concept of the Millionaire Next Door book is that our society's concept of millionaires is based on false assumptions that most actual millionaires live a very simple life. Most of us, when we expect a tax refund or get a nice commission or bonus check, we are already planning what to do with it before we even receive it. The author suggests sticking to some basic money habits and we can too become millionaires. The authors Thomas and William were obsessed with studying the wealthy, or as they call them, the affluence. And what they found was seven key traits of most of the millionaires they studied. So let's first meet the millionaire next door. The authors say about the people they met when conducting their interviews. These people cannot be millionaires. They don't look like millionaires. They don't dress like millionaires. They don't eat like millionaires. They don't act like millionaires. They don't even have millionaire names. Where are the millionaires who we're looking for? Many of the people who participated in the research of the Millionaire Next Door book owned and lived with what some of us may see as dull, normal, small businesses and lives. All walks of life from welding contractors, auctioneers, rice farmers, owners of mobile home parks, pest controllers, and even paving contractors. The authors define the threshold of being wealthy as having a net worth of a million dollars or more. Interestingly, they found that only 3.5 million or 3.5% of the 100 million households in the United States could be considered wealthy. And about 95% have a net worth of less than $10 million, a level of millionaire that can be attained within one generation and by most of us. They also found that the wealth does not always have to be measured in net worth, but the higher one's income is, the longer we produce income combined, the more likely we are to become wealthy. 
how did these people with a relatively ordinary income become millionaires? So let's dive into the seven key traits their survey found in millionaires. The first is they found that these millionaires next door lived well below their means. A very common myth is that all millionaires drive fancy cars, designer clothes, live in grand mansions, or are up in the hills in posh neighborhoods. We probably wonder, with so many people earning six-figure incomes, why aren't more people millionaires? Simply because most of us spend tomorrow's cash today. Because we've been wired to think wealth and success means material possessions. The author said many people who live in expensive homes and drive luxury cars don't actually have much wealth. Then we discovered something even odder. Many people who have a great deal of wealth don't even live in upscale neighborhoods. They found that frugality is the cornerstone of being wealthy, living below their means. Did you know that Warren Buffett, the second richest man in the world, lives in a modest house he purchased before he became a billionaire? The next key they found was that wealthy allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. Being efficient with our time, energy, and money are important factors to wealth accumulation, all of which are finite and limited. That's why being efficient is ultra important. Wealthy people start earning and investing as soon as possible in their adult life, managing their finances carefully and tracking it closely. They also try to maximize tax reduction by minimizing their taxable gross income. You can learn more about this if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad's book. Careful planning is a very strong habit among people who are likely to become wealthy. The author said, wealth is more often the result of a lifestyle of hard work, perseverance, planning, and most of all, self-discipline. The third is they believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. The wealthy prioritize financial freedom over displays of social status. This doesn't mean being miserable, but living a simpler lifestyle and within the financial freedom comes more happiness. The author says it's easier to accumulate wealth if you don't live in high-status neighborhoods. An interesting thing the authors found was when they looked at the car-buying habits of these affluent people, most millionaires shop around rather than being loyal to particular dealers. Most of us who are not wealthy tend to not shop around nor haggle and negotiate. The author said, if your goal is to become financially secure, you're likely to attain it. But if your motive is to make money to spend money on the good life, you're never going to make it. The next trait discovered was that the parents of these wealthy did not provide economic outpatient care. The authors define economic outpatient care as substantial economic gifts, as acts of kindness. Some parents give their adult children and grandchildren, such as paying for private schools or even buying them homes. The authors caution against such handouts. Gift givers frequently are underachievers in generating income. All too often, the income of the gift givers does not increase at the same rate as his consumption. The few things that the authors found in the survey were giving precipitates more consumption than saving and investing. Also, that the gift receivers in general never fully distinguish between wealth and the wealth of their gift-giving parents. Gift receivers are significantly more dependent on credit than 
non-receivers. And finally, receivers of gifts invest much less money than do non-receivers. The next is that the wealthy adult children are economically self-sufficient. Most affluent, well-informed parents would want to progressively reduce the size of their estate before they pass away so that they can share the wealth with their children without leaving them with a huge estate tax liability. So some of the rules of the wealthy are they never tell their children their parents are wealthy. And no matter how wealthy they are, they teach their children discipline and frugality. They also assure that their children won't realize that they're affluent until after they have established a mature discipline and adult lifestyle and profession. They also minimize discussion of items that each child and grandchild will inherit or receive as gifts. And they never give cash or other significant gifts to their adult children as part of a negotiation strategy. The sixth trait is they are proficient in targeting market opportunities or finding their unique niche. The millionaires the author surveyed revealed, especially the self-made ones, accumulated their wealth actively targeting and pursuing markets and business opportunities. The wealthy very often work with other affluents and become very wealthy themselves. Most of the wealthy are frugal and price sensitive when it comes to consumer goods, but not as sensitive and are willing to pay for advice and services like accountants, consultants, tax advice, and legal services since many of the affluents are self-employed and business owners and managers, so they are buyers of industrial products and services. The authors found that there are more and more wealthy in this country than ever before. Also, the opportunities to serve the wealthy will be greater than ever. Those who are specialists in solving the problems of the affluence in their heirs should be in great demand for years to come. And finally, the wealthy choose the right occupation and vocation. A vast majority of wealthy Americans are business owners. That includes self-employed professionals. But it's important to note that less than 20% pass these successful businesses to their children and plenty sway their kids against business because they know the tough odds of succeeding in business. Now, this doesn't mean not to be in business, but the key here is to find the occupation that we can enjoy that gives us pride and we can truly feel passionate about. The author says, and I quote, fewer than one in five millionaire business owners turns his business over to his children to own and operate. Why? Give credit to wealthy parents. They know the odds of succeeding in business. They understand that most businesses are highly susceptible to competition, counter consumer trends, high overhead, and other uncontrollable variables. So what do these millionaires advise their children to do? They encourage your children to become self-employed professionals, such as physicians, attorneys, engineers, architects, accountants, and dentists. This book is certainly a great compliment read to Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We really need to redefine our thinking of wealth, not as wads of cash or expensive stuff. But if we stop working today, how long can we stay out of the rat race? That is the measure of true wealth. I highly suggest you pick up this book and read it today. Allow me to leave you with my final thoughts. We need to realize that our dream of accumulating wealth is not a pipe dream reserved for a few, like most of us may think. 80% of millionaire households are ordinary people who have accumulated their wealth over one generation. 
The lessons in this book are quite straightforward, but a great reminder to us all. We need to manage our finances responsibly, save more and spend less, and not take on too much debt that we can't afford. And being consistent about making smart investments as early as possible to take advantage of compound interest. We all need to find our own balance between denying ourselves of what we need and want and overconsumption and take control of our finances today. Thank you so much for your time today. I highly encourage you to please connect with me. Please do share, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I very much appreciate your honest feedback, which helps me continually provide impactful content that I hope you will find valuable. And remember, a book a day keeps failures at bay. Until next time, thank you and have a success-filled day.